do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 571. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, uh, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Yep. Um, Ezra Klein. Yes, he wrote the article that influenced our decision to talk about it. But the truth is, what I really want to talk about is that a week from today, if you are listening to this podcast on the day it's released, is the day that we vote. Mm -hmm. And it's election day, right? I've already voted. You've already voted because there's like a ton of early voting going on. But a week from today is election uh, day. And we wanted to talk about how voting and election day and what's going on in the country has to do with uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And you and I, for 10 years, have referred to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and we've never really explained it. Right. So I think we're kind of doing a bunch of different things today in how it relates to us, but just to be timely, and also because I am hoping that if you're listening to this, you've already voted, but if you haven't, I hope you have a plan. Right. so well, this I'm, will get released at 5 a.m. Central. So if there's any people out there like, yeah, maybe I may, will, maybe I won't, maybe this podcast will put them over the edge to go out and do what they have to do, wait in line, do whatever. Maybe I will, maybe I won't what? Listen to the podcast or vote? Go vote. Oh, yes. Oh, gosh, I hope I hope nobody's saying maybe I will, maybe I won't. So in prep, Kathy just said uh, before I press record, she she's like, I got a bunch of different like puzzle pieces and we're not right. quite sure how they're going to fit together. So we're just going to do what we always do, which is roll with the baby. Um, But first, um, also on Election Day, we're having a Zen talk. Mm -hmm. So we have something called Team Zen. It's uh, access to experts. Kathy and I are the hosts of it. You guys, you know, chime in, ask questions. It's a live podcast. It's also a community, a Facebook community, a lot of different things. Um, And we're having a Zen talk on Election Day at noon. And then we're also having Dr. Alexandra Solomon on November 17th. And then we're trying to secure a date with Rosalind Wiseman. So wait a second. So Alexander Solomon talks about marriage and relationships. And so if you have any questions about your partnership or about your um, sex life or about how to make sure that you take care of your marriage um, and how to talk to your partner about this, Dr. Solomon has two books, Loving Bravely and also Taking Sexy Back, that discuss these very topics. And she's going to be with us, meaning Team Zen, to answer any of your questions. So if you haven't given Team Zen a try, this might be a good opportunity to, um, you know, jump in with our group and also to meet her. Um, And then Rosalind Wiseman, who talks about, um, you know, she has an organization called Cultures of Dignity, and she talks about um, it, what our teenagers are going through, how to relate to our kids, how to um, understand them in this difficult time. She's going to be on when? Don't know yet. Oh, we don't have the date. Okay. Um, but and December this year? Probably December. Probably December. Um, and we just did uh, Zen Talk 104, and the title, what I titled it was Self-Judgment, Toddler Meltdowns, and High School Homework. That's what we talked about on the last uh, Zen Talk. So if you're interested, um, go to zenparentingradio.com. It's 25 bucks a month. First month first month is free. Type in the coupon code FRIEND. Zero pressure, 100% support. And then uh, Tribe Men's Group, quick plug. Uh, we're doing, actually, we did a music hour, Tribe Music Hour last night. So we're coming up with a lot of different programs to as on-ramps to let guys kind of see more about what it is that we're doing. Well, what, is, what does that mean, music? Because first of all... It's anybody who is a lover of music okay. is going to come together, led by Chris Lozier, Tim Peters, and he they have a whole outline of having a discussion about the love of music. So this is what I think is so cool about what Todd's doing with his uh, this group of men that come together is like he said... You you know, there was the initial group that came together to talk about their lives, which is still a real thing. Yeah, every Wednesday, every Wednesday night. And they also have a group that comes together to do like more physical movement, like, mm-hmm. you know, exercise. Then they have a group that comes together to talk about racial justice. Yeah. Then you have a group that comes together to talk about music. So as a man, you know, there's so many different ways That's what we're to trying connect to, do. to these people. I just think it's really great, Ted. I'm Thank impressed. You, sweetie. I really am. Yeah. And a few other on-ramps that we have going uh, twice a month, we're doing uh, a divorce slash separation uh, men's wow. group. Mm-hmm. Uh, military uh, veterans, we're just getting that going. Wow. And then anybody who finds himself in a 12-step program. So we have about seven or eight different on-ramps for guys to check us out. So 
That's the deal. Yeah, that's impressive. Tribemensgroup.org. All right. So, but first, we before we get into the hierarchy, hierarchy of needs, uh-huh. Zen moment. Yes. You've had two. Zen parenting moments. Sorry, sweetie. We want, we want to call it the right thing because I, it, it can get confused with, um, what's his name? Leo, Leo Babauta. Leo Babauta's, he's got Zen habits, and this is a Zen parenting, parenting moment. moment. Mm-hmm. So Kathy does these Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They come into your inbox, and I'm wondering if you want me to, because I want to talk about one of these two. Jo- okay. Job versus relationship. Okay. Or the one that you did this morning, which is Monday, which is called This Too. Mm. Mm. That one's kind of personal. Um, I don't care. It's up to you. Let's do... Um, this too, just because it's shorter. Okay. Then, uh, the the job versus relationship was really impactful. We got a ton of emails, but this one's a little bit shorter and I'm going to read it. And before you read it, um, because I've had a few questions and emails and thank you for the nice feedback. I really appreciate it. Um, Zen Parenting Moment is not a blog. It's an email. And so if you want to see it, you have to subscribe. Right. There's so, no place on our website you can go find correct. old ones. So a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, I want to click to it. You can do that if someone forwards you the, um, that individual. the, the individual email, and that's fine. Please. Like, actually, I want to push for people to... Um, if you get a Zen parenting moment and you love it, great. Maybe share it with your kids, share it with your partner. If you get a Zen parenting moment and you think of somebody else, meaning you think someone else could need it, forward it to them or suggest that they subscribe or, you know, there, I really would like there to be some, um, you know, growth with the people reading it. That would be wonderful. So please share. But it is not a blog on our website. This is a subscription. It's free. There's, you know, you don't have to pay anything, but that's purposeful. Yeah. Like this is something that's being sent out um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And um, and I hope that if you already are a subscriber to our newsletter, you already know this. But if not, go to ZenParentingRadio.com and it's right there. Subscribe. And this is the one that came out this morning, which is Monday. We're recording on Monday the 26th. And it's called This Too. And Kathy always starts it out with a quote from somebody. And this one is from Michael J. Fox. And it says... My happiness grows in direct proportion to my acceptance and in inverse proportion to my expectations. Some days are full of promise and expectation, well-made plans, exciting adventure, or even better, time alone. That's for you, sweetie. You like time alone. (laughs) That's for me. Then the world changes and we lose our choice. Plans are ruined. It feels unfair. We spiral out of control. After the pity, the pendulum swings and we feel guilty for not appreciating what we have. There is so much difficulty in the world, so much pain, and we are stomping around because we can no longer plan our calendar or relax on the beach. In Danny Shapiro's book, Devotion, she shares what she learned about discomfort and conflicting emotions from mindfulness teacher Jack Kornfield. This is the quote. This too. This happens, and then this does too. You feel this way, and you feel this way too. End of quote. We have never been in control and there are no absolutes. There are no right and wrong feelings. There are no guarantees. We can't always predict what will happen and we definitely can't always have our way. All of it, the most beautiful and the most devastating experiences belong. Because they happened, they are the truth in that moment. Yes, this and this and this too. When I got a call in the middle of the night that my dad had passed away, I found myself driving alone in the dark where he was. Everything quiet, very few cars around, and the moon was full and beautiful, and the stars were bright. My favorite, same, my favorite song came on the radio, and I felt surrounded by it all. I thought, this too, this too. That's it. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you? What, what, what do you want to share in well, the writing of that? <clears throat> I wrote that a long time ago after my dad died, but then I changed it a lot in the last six months because of the pandemic, because I think what I had originally written... Um, had the same um, emphasis about this too, because I learned that in Danny Shapiro's book. She's one of my absolute favorite authors. I highly recommend reading Devotion um, or any of her other um, books. But that understanding of that, and I share this with clients all the time, that when they're like, yeah, I feel this way, but then I feel so bad, and then the next day I feel this way, and I always say this too. Mm-hmm. You, There is no like, okay, I need to feel this way and only What's this What's the way. right way to feel? Right. You're going to, some days we feel completely angry that everything in our lives have changed, because they have since last March. 
And some days we feel like crap because we realize how much we really have and that there are people suffering and struggling more than we are and that we can you know, apply this to the pandemic or systemic racism or to um, just everyday life challenges that people are experiencing, illness, whatever. And we feel bad then that we feel bad that we were mad because we feel guilty that we're not appreciating and, yep. and all these conflicting emotions. And instead of beating ourselves up, what if we were just like, yeah, this too, what if they could all live in harmony? And I, and I thought the best way to understand that is with the final story, which is a true story, which is even in the midst of losing my dad, um, meaning it, you know, just it same night that I got that phone call. I could be driving and notice that the world was beautiful hmm. and that even when you're really sad that you can look around and be like, wow, this is the moon and this is a song I love and this too. Hmm. And that that doesn't take away from my grief and it doesn't make it less important or heavy. It just is everything belongs. Yeah. And I think that we, again, in so many aspects of our life, we live in that binary of I'm either this or this. I wrote another Zen parenting moment that's coming out in the next week or two about, you know, even that self, ourselves, we are conflicting things, sure. not just the way we think, but as human beings, we are conflicting things. And we beat ourselves up about all of these different pieces of ourselves when the truth is that all of those pieces come together to make the whole. Yeah. Instead of being like all the pieces need to be perfect and the same, they all should be different. And that's and that understanding of ourselves allows us to look at the world with that perspective. The people across the street are not supposed to be like you. The person you're next to on the L, that's our subway system here in Chicago, is not supposed to be like you. The people who you're watching on TV may or may not be like you, and that's okay. Right. This this political because we are going to talk about politics today, thing that we have about pointing the finger and being like, you're the problem. You need to be different. You need to assimilate. You need to be like me. There's like a, it's such a one-dimensional take on who we are yeah. as human beings. And I can go metaphysical on the oneness or just on the basic understanding of a global world. Mm. We're not supposed to be the same. For sure. And, um, and if we can trust that in ourselves... Um, this too, and this too, then we look at everybody else and say this too, this too. So. Yeah. And if I can add a little bit just to your this too. So like the, what I thought about when I read this, I'm like, okay, I wake up in the morning and I want the day to go a certain way, which mm -hmm. is, you know, the way I want it to go. And sometimes it goes the way it does and other times it doesn't. So then the this too is when it happens the way we want it to, which happens every now and again. And then the other part of it is it when you get thrown a curveball and something happens in your day and then that doesn't, uh, that, that doesn't work out like this too. And then I guess the third this too, which I think you just described and I'm just restating, is the guilt that we feel about the binary. Sure, this too. This too. <laughs> like even our guilty yeah. feelings about the this or the that, yeah. that's part of this also. And the, the reason why that's necessary is anything you shine a light on mm -hmm. loses its power. Exactly. So if you can shine a light on the fact that you feel guilty about something, it almost allows you, like I just did, to laugh and go, this too. Yeah. Like not, I'm so, you know, something I say in my head a lot is, gosh, I am so human. And I just feel like that's such a... It's not about trying to, you know, to learn more and to be better in every whatever that means, be better. I don't like that statement. But I guess we're always learning. But we are so human. And there are times you're never going to be like, yes, and I handle that perfectly. And like my girls are at that age where conversations can be really, as they say, awkward, mm -hmm. awk. And, and they'll be like, oh, but then I said this. I'm like, yeah, this too. Like sometimes you say the perfect thing. Sometimes you say a stupid thing. Sometimes you say you're, the whole conversation is great, and then you end on the weirdest thing. This, too, it all belongs. Yeah. It's fine. But then you walk away and feel weird. This, too. Mm -hmm. So it is, I think... The, it's this, too, to everything. everything, to reality. It kind of reminds me of Byron Katie. Like, she doesn't practice religion. Her religion is reality. Right. And we have somebody in the White House that neither one of us are big fans of. This, too. Like, all... Anything that happens is this too. Right. And and again, so we don't get super like spiritual bypassy about this. This is not this too. Okay, I accept it and I move forward. It's this too. And so what are we going to do now about it? Now what are you going to do? So you have to accept it to do something about it, not accept, accept and it then and take sit. action. Exactly. So which is what voting is. So this is this gets us into where we're going today. So why don't you start? Okay, so let's talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I want to explain um, that, you know, 
basically that we have this, I, I guess a chart, you know, is the best way to say it about what we need to feel like we can thrive in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this, you know, this is used by, you know, it's become kind of layman's, you know, everybody uses it now, but it really is a thing as a therapist. When you think about working with somebody is what, where are they and what can, what do they need right now to have a sense of safety? Or I kind of think about, you know, what we've talked about a lot in the past, and this is yoga terminology, but it can also be terminology of nature. You have to root to rise. You have to have a base foundation be rooted so you can rise to the higher levels. Okay. So what does that mean? Let's just talk about a tree first, you know, or, um, do you want to talk about a tree or should we talk about a human? Um, let's go with tree. Okay. So a tree and the, at the base of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the physiological needs. So food, water, and if it's a human, so that's a tree. If it's a human being, it's breathing, clothing, sleep. So our physiological needs are the base level that we need to survive. On a moment to moment basis. Exactly. And if we don't have those things, none of the other things above in the hierarchy can happen. Nothing else matters. Okay. So it's like one of those things when we, we don't look at people who are starving somewhere, if it be in our own country, in our own backyard or across the world and say, gosh, I wish they were just focusing more on their self-esteem. We look at them and say they need to eat. Yeah. They need food. This is the base level um, needs that this person group um, in, you know, whatever it may be, tree needs to survive. Okay. So the next level um, is safety and security. So for a for a human being, I'm just going to go human being, so we don't have it's to. Easier. So yeah, health, employment, family, social stability. Okay, and there's many different ways you can say that depending on what chart you look at, but that's that's kind of the way I like to break it down. Okay. So if you're sick, you know you may have food on the table, but if you're sick, you can't do all the things above you. Right. I mean, we can talk about being chronically ill. We can talk about a, a terminal illness, or we can talk about having the flu or COVID. When you're knocked down, there's nothing you can do except lay in bed and get better. Right. So, th- thinking about self-actualizing while you're sick is not happening. Okay. So, same with right now. There's a lot of people who have lost their jobs. There's a lot of people who are worried about losing their jobs going into this winter. So that's employment. Um, uh, Family. A lot of people are worried about family members. We're disconnected from family members. You know, there's recommendations to not get together for Thanksgiving. That's being pulled apart. And then just social stability, like our divisiveness in this country. Many of us feel like existentially unsafe. Mm. Like, you know, one thing that I shared um, with a lot of people because we traveled to South Dakota a couple weeks ago is, man, I'll tell you something. Every single person we ran into and talked to was so kind. I don't, we had zero negative interactions in a state that as far as belief systems, there was a lot more um, Trump signs there than anything else. But there was no, there, and, and I know this, I'm not saying this like, wow, I was shocked. But my point is, is sometimes when we're meeting people who maybe have difference of opinion, everybody's great. Mm-hmm. It's this kind of in our minds divisiveness of, you know, it's again going back to that where we're pointing fingers outside of ourselves and saying they're the problem and and we're we can hate from afar. Sure. Once we get close up to people, it's a lot harder too. Very. Well, difficult. and that's what Brian Stevenson taught us in that TED talk. Proximity is key. Exactly. And if you you know to travel through any state that you feel like is opposite, you know the the political um, mindedness that you have you feel everybody's wonderful. You know what I mean? Everybody loves their family, Mm -hmm. all those kind of things. And keeping that in mind, not to say that again, not that we stop speaking up or saying we would like to continue to learn um, and maybe offer other people information that we have or whatever, or have discussions or talk about our values, but it's not demonizing, you know? So that is an issue though in our country right now is we are very divided. If, If in our minds or in reality, whatever it may be. The next one is love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, sense of connection. I kind of feel like that's where, even though we talk about all these things on Zen Parenting, we kind of fall right in the middle in that love and belonging category. Uh, We talk about everything, but that is an essential, that's another rooted sense of being. Do you know who you are? 
Because love and belonging is not just external, it's internal. Sure. Do you know who you are and do you feel connected to the ones you love? Because a lot of people are just like, well, they're my family, so I guess I love them. Well, do you feel connected to them? Because that's what love really is. Partnership where you're just passing each other in the day and barely saying anything, that's not connection. A child who never talks to you or you feel that you don't know it all, that's not connection. What we really want is that sense of, you know, connection with the ones we love. And then belonging, you know, we could go way into Brene Brown's, um, you know, Braving the Wilderness, you know, research just about that true belonging is having an understanding that no matter, it's understanding that you can be who you are in the world because we are inherently one and that that interconnectedness is unbreakable which gives you that stability to go out and be who you are right. because you understand you belong because we're all interconnected and you're supposed to be here. Yeah. And I feel like what you're describing for me, the word I use is oneness Correct. or we're, you know, we're all on the same team and all that. And knowing that if you really believe in oneness, you trust who you are. Yeah. Then you're we like can a, go out and be ourselves. Correct. Instead of abide by an ideology that has been told to you, forced on you, um, one that you haven't questioned. It reminds me of a quote from Wayne Dyer years ago, and it was, this may or may not make sense to everybody, but it, oh, it was profound for me. He said, God laughs at the word to, mm. like T-W-O. Mm. He's like, or she, it, God, whoever God is, mm -hmm. whatever pronoun you choose the to divine. use. The divine. The divine laughs at the word to. Mm. Like, you know, what are you all thinking? That as soon as we separate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I like that. That's good. I'm going to share that. Um, the next level. So we've done physiological needs, safety and security, love and belonging, and now self-esteem. This is confidence, achievement, respect of others, the need to be a unique, unique individual. This kind of begins to get into us and what we personally have to offer now that we understand we have our needs are met, we feel secure, we have a sense of belonging. Now, who am I and what can I go out there and do to change the world? So it's very, it's very self-focused, um, but it's an essential, I kind of feel like it's the teenage years mm -hmm. and the 20s. Sure. Um, it's like, who am I and what can I give? Um, and self-esteem, you know, I, I always struggle with that word a little bit because self-esteem can be competitive. Mm -hmm. Like, what am what am I better at than other people? Yeah. Kristen Neff, when she talks about self-compassion, she compares the two because self-compassion, you can have no matter what, no matter the experience, success, failure, challenge, joy, you can practice self-compassion. But self-esteem can get derailed if you fail. Because self-esteem, if it's based on being number one and you're not... Then all of a sudden it plummets. Correct. So this gets a little murky in that area. But then the top one, the top of that triangle, because if I didn't tell you guys this is in the shape of a triangle, hierarchy... Pure, pyramid, means, sweetie. Pyramid. Thank you, honey. Self-actualization. And this is a big part of Zen parenting too. Morality, creativity, acceptance, experience of purpose, meaning, inner potential, global awareness, connection to others. It's like, you know, thinking about the chakras. It's like the seventh chakra. It's our connection to all things. Who are we? Different than what what's my output going to be and more about the bigger picture of our interconnectedness. Right. Okay, so we're using some similar words in a lot of these levels, but self-actualization is that like it's very difficult to focus on your self-actualization if you don't have all the other things underneath. Right. So why this is important when it comes to politics, and, and I'm totally, I did not come up with this myself. I read an article, like Todd said, that Ezra Klein wrote about, uh, he wrote it about the most recent town hall from a few weeks ago with Biden. And he was talking about, as a country, our hierarchy of needs. And he was talking about collectively that there was a time when we'd be in the midst of an election and we would talk about things like, who's the best orator? You know, what is the future with this candidate? Um, you know, we would look at things maybe down the road or we would look at like... Forward thinking, forward thinking five-year plans. Or compare like the way they were... The, the perfect way they talk or yeah. the, we would be a little more um, picky yes. about things and like really dig into issues. And he was saying how right now, and this is in no way, this is like a good thing for, about Joe Biden, but he was saying that 
right now, as far as our hierarchy of needs as a country, we just need the first couple levels. Mm -hmm. We need this sense of balance. We need our physiological needs met. And we need our like sense of um, safety and security, those really basic things that we used to take for granted. And we used to kind of go about our day and assume that there were adults somewhere taking care of these issues. And that we have been shown for four years. And I know many of you were like, oh, this has always been happening. Just stay with me in the last four years and how much has crumbled and how much of our sense of safety, um, if it be just this year because of COVID, or if it could be because we are, you know, embracing countries that used to be people that we would keep an eye out for, meaning we would be more nervous about interacting with them. And then we're pushing away our friends. Our friends. And then the way that we talk to each other, and not, I'm going to say we, the way the, our leader of this country talks to people and the the disparaging tone and the, the lack of civility, lack of civility and the lack of dignity. And so these basic needs that we used to take for granted have are gone. Yeah. The carpet got pulled out from underneath us. And when we look at a, a somebody like Joe Biden, who is focusing on, you can talk about his record or being a politician for 47 years, go for it, or whether or not he's going to be left or right or moderate, but he's civil. He's um, decent. He loves, you know, his family. Mm -hmm. He is a good man who you hear a million different stories about how he is caring and loving and compassionate and empathetic. And it's like drinking water where you've been so thirsty mm. for so long. Yeah. And that as I, this Ezra Klein article just talks about that that's what was shown in this, you know, the town hall. And then I guess you could say even in the most recent debate is that, and we've known this all along, it just is such a great awareness that we're having a difficulty doing anything right now because our hierarchy of needs our basic levels are gone. And so right now in this election, and I hope you're voting, we need to get those levels back. And this is the way to do this it. This is the way to do it. And many of you who are thinking about things like, yeah, what about taxes? Or what about these, these higher level things? Or what about he's 78 years old? Or what about he's not as good of an order of, as, as Barack Obama? We're like, I don't care. Well, let's just get this stability back in this country where we have a civil conversation where, you know, and again, these things used to be talked about all the time, but they're not anymore. This is also a man who had like John McCain was one of his best friends. He's, you know, he is old, but at least what comes with that is a reach across the aisle mentality that we haven't had since probably the Clinton administration. So there is, you know, a sense of right now, can we just do the stability and then let's go from there? Like I've been hearing really good interviews with, um, you know, lots of different politicians talking about they look forward to like lobbying their issues. Sure. But they want to do it with an administration that is stable. Like all the issues for Democrats or Republicans, they don't go out the window now. Sure. Now we have a base where we can start mm -hmm. to have this conversation and start to rebuild or, you know, to find new ways. But everything is so chaotic right now that our hierarchy of needs is gone. And it's very difficult to do anything as a country with this instability, with lying, with incivility. Like, I, I feel like the rest of you. Yeah. Well, and like you said, like the um, civility is our oxygen. Like if we can't like the, that debate that happened, the first one that was Oof. just a train wreck. Like if we can't have an honest discussion between two grownups. Um, how do we do this? How do we do this? So like we need to get back to there so that we can have this this informed debate argument about two different perspectives on how, you know, the government should be run. But we can't even get there until we can. Let somebody finish a sentence. Absolutely. Like, I'll just read something dra uh, directly from Ezra Klein's article. He said, the words of the president matter. The behavior of the president matters. The comportment of the president matters. And the example of the president matters. Biden talks policy often and reasonably well, but he hasn't been putting on a clinic on wonkery. He's been putting on a clinic in decency. And it matters. It shouldn't. Decency should be table stakes, and I'll use this language. It should be like that first level of our hierarchy of needs. But right now, 
this is what matters most. Mm -hmm. Decency, civility, stability, physiological needs, safety needs, security needs. So I know that not that everyone would like to get up in those higher level of needs and say, let's focus on this too. Let's focus on this too. Right now we need to get rooted so we can rise again. Yeah. And, um, so I just really thought that was very powerful. Um, and you know, I was telling Todd this morning that I got a little choked up, um, because I was listening to, um, a podcast. It was on the daily, the New York times puts it out and it was about a group of women in Ohio, women, mothers who, after the 2016 election, it was actually just one woman who started it, but she started, she noticed what the breakdown in Ohio was as far as that women, white women were, um, voting for Trump. And it was, and but she had noticed in the 2018 election that a lot of that had, had changed in different states, but that it didn't change in Ohio. So she was like, what's going on? And she started having conversations with her friends and other women that she knew. And then those, you know, relationships extended to, you know, the, the women in their phones and, you know, it just continued to yeah. go on and on ripple effect. And they started a movement in Ohio, which, you know, remains to be seen if that will make an impact on whether that state goes blue or red. But it was really moving to me. And I wanted you, um, I think you have it, to play a part from this podcast about these these moms in Ohio. All right. And give me one of these signs when you'll you got be it. done. I've heard this from nearly every suburban mom I've spoken to this year who plans to vote for Biden. That is less about specific policies or any one specific thing the president did or said. It's more just the cumulative experience of watching the president through the eyes of their children. We learn how to share. We learn how to listen. We take turns. We think of others. And these are the things that are drilled into our heads as suburban women every day because we are drilling them into the heads of our small children every single day. So when we have a leader who's holding the highest office in the land who would really benefit from a couple of days in our homes <laughs> learning some of these basic things, the contrast is too great. And this above all else. Is that good? Yeah. I mean, it goes on and continues. So I highly, we'll, we'll link, we'll link to that. in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but I got choked up because I, I, Sometimes I just go into these spirals where I just feel alone. And I've said this before on the show. And when I say not literally alone, like I know there's millions and millions and millions of people around who who want the same outcome, but I get scared alone. And then I listen to a podcast like this and, and I just get choked up by these women who are doing, um, you know, this work to reach out, bring awareness, bring awareness, just like I get, you know, watching the, you know, racial justice and watching the, you know, women of color and, um, men of color who are marching in the streets, um, still right now, just like I get choked up at people who are willing to come out and risk, you know, if it be their connection to their party or their family and speak up for what they believe or, you know, I, I, I'm getting choked up about a lot of things and it's because it inspires me. And so like going back to what you said at the beginning about how people may be like, well, I may vote, I may not. I mean, this is not, I think we're just like, I, I don't even know how to say, of course you have to vote. And obviously I have a way that I would like you to vote, which I think would add to the stability of this country mm -hmm. and get us started again. Obviously it's going to be your choice in the long run. And, um, and Todd and I have been very open about how we feel this isn't new information. But what I know is that what we have been talking about on this show for 10 years, which for probably the first, you know, five of those, I didn't feel was political at all. Sure. Like I, we, I don't think we ever really talked about politics, except maybe if it was like a school shooting or, you know, our belief yeah. about common sense gun laws. But up for the last five years, this has become political because the belief system, our value system has been tested. Yeah. Well, the example that we have from our leader is all these things we're talking about, lack of civility, like this never used to be an issue. Correct. And it has been in the last four years because of some of the behavioral 
actions, decisions, comments from our leader. So now all of a sudden we're like, all right, we got to, I guess we got to go back to the basics. Back to the, thank you. That's a beautiful way to say it. And you, you want to know something interesting, Todd, something I was reading this morning is, do you know that they made a connection in 2016 or actually right before the election, someone was doing some research and this has been validated again and again. So people can Google this on their own, that the, that it was like the vast majority of people who voted for Trump, at least in that in 2016, um, when this is what it is, when they were deciding between the candidates for the Republican Party, if it be Trump or, you know, Cruz or Rubio, that the people who voted for Trump believed in authoritarian parenting. Mm -hmm. Did you hear that before? No, but it doesn't surprise me. And so what is authoritarian parenting? It's um, obey authority. Do what I say. Do as I say. Not as I do. Um, not very interested in feelings. Um, there's one right way, black and white. People are either good or bad. It's a very binary, very myopic view of one way of life, which is make America great again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that belief, that authoritarian thinking is what made people believe this is the right leader because this guy, you know, oh, he says what he thinks and he would never let anyone, you know, you know, get away with anything. And the truth is yelling and screaming at people is not really not letting people get away from something. Like think about yourself as a parent. When you yell and scream at your child, do you know for sure that they're not going to do something? Do you know for sure that and, and well, they'll fall into line in that moment until you turn your back and then something else will happen. Did anything get taught yeah. is the question. or did Any you long-term just, impact. Was there just disconnection? I mean, this connects so much to what we talk about yeah. on this show. And again, I really do encourage you, don't just take my word for this, like Google, um, you know, Trump election authoritarian parenting, and you'll see a number of articles about it. This is, you know, I, I my friend Diane told me, I remember four years ago, right after the election that she had read this. So I've been kind of keeping tabs on it. And, you know, this is this, there is that connection between a more dictator type leader and an authoritarian way of thinking. And this show is about why that isn't helpful for connection, for relationship, for us overall, and how there has to be an understanding of all people a respect for ourselves and others, an ability to integrate and become whole rather than separate and divide. Well, an understanding of empathy, a practice of empathy, like, you know, if you think about it, what we've been teaching or what we've been talking about in this podcast for X amount of years is completely in line with, you know, what the opposite of the way that our present president is acting. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been rough. It's been I I don't think there's a word for this year. I actually did you watch the um, SNL um, from this weekend with Adele, um, Kate McKinnon as a psychic? No. So it's like a group of four of them come in, and it's still 2019. Okay. And she and so they're like, yeah, this year 2019 has been really rough, and we're really excited about 2020. It's going to be our year. Mm-hmm. And she starts reading their, you know, their hands and telling them the experiences they're going to have. Are you going to play some of it? Um, if I can find it, I yeah. don't know where it is. Oh my God, this place is so cool. Oh, I know. I've always wanted to get a psychic reading. God, is anyone here? I really want to get one. Uh, you want to see the future? <laughs> Sit, and I will tell you what lies ahead. For Madame Vivelda knows all. Oh, yes. That would be great. Yeah, this year has been so insane and hard. We kind of want to skip ahead and just see what next year holds instead. Yeah, 2019 has sucked, but um, I think 2020 is going to be our year. Totally, oh, yeah. Right, 2020. Okay, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go. Uh, Madame Vivelda, things are getting kind of serious with my boyfriend, and I'm curious if you see us moving in together next okay, year. Okay, okay, let me see. Let me take a look. Yes. Ah, yes. Yes, I am seeing you in your home. Yes, and your boyfriend is there. Yes, you are in the home that you share together. Yes, and now I see, I see him. He's, he's washing a bag of Doritos with soap. <laughs> yes, and you are screaming at him. 
You're crying. You're screaming. That's not enough soap. You need to use more soap. I don't want to get it from a bag of chips. What? Yeah. Get what from chips? Uh, and the vision is gone. <laughs> Are they all that good? They're all that good. Oh, my God. So I was, I, you know, and I need humor to get me through this. But in this, obviously, this skit is more just about the virus. But 2020, I mean, oh, um, you know, there's just been a lot. And we are, and there is an opportunity in a week um, to maybe start again. Um, and nothing's simple and nothing's clean and nothing's perfect. And... And I know we have a lot of different feelings about this, um, you know, and people want things to be more left or more, you know, I, I know, I know I, why I'm saying all this is that I understand that it's not always the way we want it to be. But um, if Todd and I could encourage you to, if you've already voted, congratulations, yay. Um, the, you know, early voting has been great, but if, you know, to make sure that, you make a plan. If not, you if you don't do it this week, make a plan for that day. Um, and let's do this. Um, do you? I did a little research on Maslow, uh-huh. and he studied 18 people he considered to be self-actualized, including Abraham Lincoln and Ooh. Albert Einstein. Do you want to know what he came up with as far as the 15 characteristics of a self-actualized person? Oh, I'm excited. Tell me. Number one, they perceive... So just think about this in terms of our election. Uh, I'll just stop there. Okay. They, per- they perceive reality efficiently and can tolerate uncertainty. They accept themselves and others for what they are. Okay. They're spontaneous in thought and action. They're problem-centered and not self-centered. Uh, they have an unusual sense of humor. Okay. They're able to look at life objectively. They're highly creative. Um... I don't know what this word means. They're resistant to enculturation, but not purposely unconventional. I don't know. Maybe understand. indoctrination of something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they're concerned for the welfare of humanity. Mm. They're capable of deep appreciation of basic life experiences. Establish deep, satisfying interpersonal relationships with a few people. They have peak experiences. They have a need for privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have democratic attitudes, and they have strong moral or ethical standards. Well, we probably should have done this flipped because I always like to end on a positive. Mm-hmm. But do you want me to tell you the signs of narcissistic personality disorder? Sure. Let her rip. This is from the DSM-5, uh, which is the therapeutic tool that we use to diagnose people and is just kind of the, you know, demonstrates what symptoms and, and you know, treatment can be. Narcissistic personality disorder, have an exaggerated sense of self-importance, have a sense of entitlement and require constant excessive admiration, expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it, exaggerate achievements and talents, be preoccupied, preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance and beauty, believe they are superior and can only associate with equal special people, monopolize conversations and belittle and look down on other people. Expect special favors and unquestioning compliance and loyalty with their expectations. Take advantage of others to get what they want. Have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others. Be envious of others and believe others envy them. Behave in an arrogant or haughty manner. Come across conceited, boastful, and pretentious. Insist on having the best of everything. For example, the car, your job, your office. Well, and just to get it back to the positive, Please. so Maslow gave seven behaviors leading to self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And just as a reminder, self-actualization is, is people who met their full potential. Mm-hmm. And the two that, he, that, that was referred in this article was Abraham Lincoln and Albert Einstein. Behaviors leading to self-actualization, experiencing life like a child with full absorption and concentration. Mm. Trying new things instead of sticking to safe plans. Mm. Listening to your own feelings and evaluating experiences instead of the voice of tradition, authority, or the majority. Mm. Avoiding pretense and being honest. Number five, being prepared to be unpopular if your views do not coincide with those of the majority. Mm-hmm. So I guess that means stand up. Mm-hmm. Taking responsibility and working hard. 
And then lastly, trying to identify your defenses and having the courage to give them up, which I kind of like. It's like, you know, whenever we get reactive or defensive, can you look at that instead of be righteous about them? Yeah, and point the finger at other people and saying they made me feel that way. The only bummer about Maslow is that he studied, he only studied two women. He he studied 18 people Mm. and only two of them were women. Any idea who they may have been? Mm. This was 1970. I was going to say, give me a year. Oh, 1970? Yeah, but they weren't current. Well, the one of the, yeah. So I don't know if, I know one of them was alive in 1970. Okay, tell me. I don't know. Eleanor Roosevelt. Okay. And Mother Teresa. Mm, That's good. They comprise a small portion of of his sample. This makes it difficult to generalize his theory to females and individuals from lower class, lower social classes or different ethnicity. And then, um, so anyways, another criticism, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. And then we'll close the show. Uh, Maslow's assumption, first of all, he did this in whatever, the 70s. So Mm -hmm. obviously we learn more. We took what he did and we, we, we improved it. Another criticism concerns Maslow's assumption that the lower needs must be satisfied before a person can achieve their potential and self-actualize. This is not always the case, and therefore Maslow's hierarchy of needs in some aspects have been falsified. Mm. Through examining cultures in which large numbers of people live in pro- poverty, such as India, it is clear that people are still capable of higher order needs, such as love and belongingness. However, this should not occur as, according to Maslow, people who have difficulty achieving very basic psycho- physiological needs are not capable of meeting the higher growth needs. So mm-hmm. I think what he's saying is much poor people in India, they're doing just fine. Correct. Because they are, they, this is not about if you're self-actualizing, you're a better person. Sure. It means there's more foundational elements that just because of your proximity, where you live, where you were born, culture. what culture you're in, that you have access to that. So this is not about pointing fingers. And, you know, this goes back to what we've talked about, where people who do have the opportunity to self-actualize tend to look down on other people, and they don't even take into account why they have the ability sure. to do that. Sure. Instead of using the ability to self-actualize, you know, I love how Michelle Obama says, if you've reached a certain place, you reach your hand back to help other people. There are many people who like to stay in their ivory tower and say, I'm here and you can't come in. So I want to end on two other things that I thought were fantastic that happened this week, you know, because we have to have good news in this time of uh, challenge. Um, Pope Francis did two significant things this week. Yes, I know one of them. Okay, so the first one is that Pope Francis vocalized his support of same-sex unions, which I know for many of us is like, well, thanks, you know, like it's legal in our country um, and we're very supportive and we are very, you know, you and I being very active or supportive of the LGBTQ community. This has been, you know, this is, this isn't new information in our lives, but we have to look at the shift in culture. Of course. You know what I mean? It's a culture of 2000 years and you can't shift it from you know, one side of the spectrum all the way to the other side, they, you know, their Catholic church is part of this long traditional organization and you can't make these huge leaps. Most of the time it, you can't make these leaps. You got to baby step your way through it. I know. And I, and the first article that was like underneath that article that I read to you the uh-huh. last, this weekend, when we heard about this is like a bunch of cardinals um, in the U S were criticizing him for saying that. I'm like, wait a second. Isn't the Pope the one who like, it just is so interesting. Like I'm, it's exhausting. Um, but I want to give, you know, at least say that is a shift in culture. Um, even if for many of us that's become, you know, that's very normalized for us. And, um, but the other thing is the very first black cardinal was mm. appointed this week. Yes. And again, we kind of want to do a WTF, like how is this the first black cardinal? Um, but let's celebrate it at the same time. Mm. This too. Yeah. You know, going back to this too, like we can sit here and say, well, it should have been earlier or it should have happened before or there's so much damage that's been done. Was that the that first too. cardinal in the U.S.? Because I'm thinking of like the Catholic Church in Africa, like there's got to be. It says, Pope Francis on Sunday named Archbishop Wilton Gregory, 72, as cardinal, making him the first black person to ever hold the position in the Catholic Church. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I don't get that. Like, all these countries who have black people in them, like Africa, but maybe they're all white. It's just surprising. Maybe it's the... 
you know, at the the hierarchy, maybe because he lives in Rome. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, unfortunately, regardless, it's that. a step in the right direction. Yeah, like it's just a we have to while we're struggling with so much, you know, when it comes to LGBTQ rights or racial injustice or systemic oppression. While we're dealing with that, we also have to notice where there are small shifts in culture right. and. Um, and and celebrate that because that does play a role yeah. in how we show up and you know the power that we have. So and then I want to talk about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's our uh, partner painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area 6309561800. Um that's a lot. That was a this is vote next week, my friends. Yeah, and join the team and get on a Zen talk on election day. I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of nervous people on Tuesday, so let's be nervous together. together. (laughs) Right? Yeah, we'll talk and we'll bond and maybe we'll cry and we'll laugh and we will be in it together because none of us are alone. Um, None of us are alone, regardless of political affiliation. We're all in this together. Um, We can have our opinions, but still love each other. Um, That is possible. That's what dignity means. That's what respect, or I'm just going to use the word dignity. That's what dignity means. Hallelujah. All right. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing Podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.